Welcome to the Breaking Through with Apollo podcast, hosted by Greg and Thomas Beckers. We're here to give you an inside look on the entertainment industry through the lens of an actor and a manager, and we're here to help you break through in your own career. Okay, guys, welcome. Today we have Anna Hollander Bird. I almost screwed that name up again. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Um, so, thanks for being here. Uh, I know we've talked a bit before we started, and I know you have a bit of experience yourself in the entertainment industry. So I'd love to just kind of have you kind of start from the beginning of you starting out in this industry and then what made you become a therapist and kind of your whole Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Love your podcast. And I want to say that, you know, a lot of times as a therapist, we don't disclose that much about ourselves. Um, Like, so on my website, I have some information like that, you know, I'm a therapist for actors and entertainment industry, but I don't disclose that. But for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to say a lot more just because, um, you know, that's why we're here. Um, so basically I came out to LA to go to college and to pursue acting when I was 18 and, um, hit the ground running and was very involved, had a representation, all that stuff. Um, and it was a really, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be in the sense of how much isolation and just like lack of support, which I think a lot of performers experience, but I think we have like a idea in our heads of how it will be, which we'll talk more about later. Um, and then from there, I, you know, really experienced, um, an eating disorder, um, and sought help for that. And I think, again, it's, it's not a too uncommon of a story, but, um, I really enjoy therapy and it really helped me uncover like the underlying issues, you know, because when we think of an eating disorder, it seems so surface, just like any addiction issue. Um, and I was able to like really uncover so much more about my childhood. And from there, um, I gradually, you know, started graduate school. And then I also did some public speaking for this organization called Active Minds. I would go to colleges and high schools and basically kind of like tell my whole life story and then promote mental health. Um, yeah. So I kind of fell into it, but I'm really happy I did. And I think I really enjoy that there's some creative aspects and parallels actually between the two industries. That's cool. So, so really, like if I'm hearing it right, so you started in acting and then kind of in a way acting kind of brought you to therapy and then you're almost coming full circle now where you're also starting to, you have a bit of a focus in the entertainment industry and using therapy to help actors, which I think is really cool because I think, and and we've talked about this, I think that it's an industry that has a propensity for unhealthy habits or unhealthy beliefs mentally and it draws the type, those type of people as well. And then it kind of preys on them in a, in a yeah. way, you know, it's, and it's not all this dark and gloom type of thing, but it's definitely something that is in this industry. And also you hear at a high level, all the people that have dealt with depression or e- even worse, some people that have obviously not made it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you hear this all the time and it's very tragic. Yeah, um, uh, and Greg, I, I was I, thinking about, so I think what is interesting thinking back now is some wild scenarios that are so unique to being in this industry that no under no other industry you would find like being you know 20 and being like in a meeting you know at an agency with like 10 people and them just watching you do like a scene and those days that's you know one of the ways you did it if you didn't like if you were newer and then being like just stared at and then you leave and you're like 20 and you're like you don't have like a fully formed sense of self-esteem and then it's like yes or no and I just think like things like that or you know, having like, you know, manage and be like, well, get down to this weight and you don't know any better. You're like, you know, 
19, you're like, okay, I'll just do whatever that takes where in any other industry, like that's not going to happen, right? That's going to be like an HR violation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's almost accepted that that's a normal way to speak to people here. I, 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 there's some changes happening, especially the last couple of years I've, I've noticed. And I, I think other people have started noticing there's some changes happening, but you know, it's still there. It's still, it's still a very image based industry. And there are still, like you said, where they say, Oh, get to this way to look like this. It's still very, very common. And I, I guess I'd love to talk to you about, about a little deeper into that and kind of what you notice are kind of more the typical mental health issues that actors deal yeah. with. And, and, and what you've noticed in your process. Yeah, and um, I just want to say a quick disclaimer. Like, I think you and I have uh, chatted that some of the things I'll talk about initially are just more general themes, but I just want to capture, like, um, what I think would be most relatable to everyone, and then we'll go, you know, more nuanced as we go. But I think, like, what I was talking about, which is, I think, uh, before, just about the fantasy of what we think it will be like to be an actor or be an entertainer, be a director, whatever, right? Be a manager probably also applies, even being a therapist, but specifically to entertainment. Um, I think um, as a result of that fantasy, we often sacrifice a lot to come to LA or New York or whatever and make it happen. And I think that the reality of what the actual job looks like is just so different that I think there's a lot of frustration, some anger, sadness that happens. And that could look like waiting um, you know, months for a job or that could be like you're a working actor and you're just fried because your hours are just so long that you start to feel like you lose touch your personal life. So it can look two different ways, but I think it's a really hard thing to grasp. I think in other fields, you kind of know what it'll be like to be a therapist. I mean, yeah, there's some differences, but you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're completely right. There's like definitely like this sense of like, um, the more time you spend in, in like this disillusionment, I would say. And, and you said the same for managers, honestly, <laughs> it's the same, same for me. Like, you know, when you get started, you watch TV and people think this is how it's going to be. And it's this like glamorous thing. Yeah. You're going to be like, are you know, off from yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's stuff like that. And it's like, you have this whole thing that how you think it's going to be the same for actors. And maybe you think, oh, it's going to be all these red carpets and this is going to be so glamorous. You're going to be doing these amazing scenes with amazing actors and it's just going to be so deep. But the reality, especially when you're starting out, it's, it's not like that. It's not that glamorous at all, actually. Like, because especially as an actor, I think that's a big reality check for a lot of actors where in the beginning it's like, oh, I have to do all these like co-stars sometimes that are like one line that have like maybe two seconds of screen time. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's, that's, that can, that can really affect some people, especially if you came, you came out here not knowing how it exactly worked. And then you're like, Oh, this is a, this is a harder climb than I expected. Yeah. And I think the other thing we talked about before is I think it ties into like what sometimes attracts people to acting. Maybe you had some childhood trauma, maybe you didn't feel seen or you didn't feel good enough. And acting was one thing that really made you feel good in your local market. So then I think sometimes when, you know, you're in LA and things maybe aren't going on the timeline you expect, it can really re-trigger feeling not good enough, not seen, um, all those things that I think a lot of times certain actors, at least I don't want to generalize, might think acting could help, right? I think a lot of times our professions are things that we choose because we think that'll kind of like alleviate or help us heal certain things 
Yeah, I, I think I, I remember reading once because it stayed with me. It's like reading whatever you lacked in childhood the most shows up in your adult life and what you crave the yeah. most, you mm. know, and, and I think for like any industry, it's not just acting, I think, but like acting definitely, I, I think you're spot on. It's like, of course, a lot of people that get into it, get into it for these reasons that come from tr different traumas or anything like that. And, and I guess the big thing is it's like, when you start doing therapy, I know some act, sometimes actors like, Oh, if I start doing therapy, my, like, I'm not going to be able to use the pain that I have that some people believe makes them a good artist. And obviously like, like, like you had mentioned once is like, once you get the therapy, most people are more open to it at that point. Also you don't go to therapy. You know, it's usually the people that avoid therapy that are like, Oh, like, Oh, this pain makes me a great artist of all these traumas I have make me an amazing artist. Yeah, well, you know, and yeah. I, I'd love to chat about yeah, that. Yeah, it's sort of like what we were talking about yeah. yesterday, where it's like, in limited dosages, we can understand the impetus to like, use, you know, what you're experiencing to propel you forward, like, to some extent. However, if you were like a baseball player, we wouldn't tell you to go out and use your rage every game, because you know, the season's so long, and you're gonna blow, you know, something, um, you're gonna get injured, and then you're gonna be out the rest of the season. So I think theoretically, sure, it sounds like kind of fun. But in practice of how long your career is, I think you have to know yourself and know how to manage your emotions and heal what's underlying so that you feel like it's not going to overtake you. And we've seen that happen to super famous actors. Yeah, because I don't think that's sustainable, even from what you were saying, from like an athlete's perspective. It's like, I mean, I remember having coaches that would like be like, oh, use your anger, use your anger. And, you know, I did. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Good student in that way. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, and me just trying to use that anger all the time. But I remember, A, there were times that it, it would get so destructive that it would actually hinder my own performance and hurt myself in some way. Oh, and other times it would just burn me out. I even remember even when I played tennis, and maybe this is yeah. relatable to actors as well, is it wasn't sustainable. Like I just had moments where I had high energy and then I was doing good and I thought it was working. Then I would just burn out and, and it would just go bad for a while until I kind of recovered and did the cycle all over again. Yep. Yep. I think it's like a bit of a dangerous game, but we understand why like that people are told that and we understand why like that might have been the habit because maybe, you know, growing up, you know, when you found acting, most people find acting like at a younger age. Um, you might have been the star in, you know, your school's theater because, you know, your girlfriend broke up with you and your mom was drinking and then you used all that and had this amazing performance, which in of itself is fine. But then to kind of not ever address those underlying things throughout your adult life creates a lot more like wreckage, I think. Yeah. And, and I feel like kind of what you're hinting at, it sounds like it's too, is like in the way that therapy can, can make it more sustainable for an actor to pursue their career because I, I think, and I, I know we've talked about this, that especially for actors, therapy can be very effective and helpful yeah. just because it's, it's, it is a hard industry. Like, like you talked about, it's so much uncertainty. I don't know another industry actually that has as much yeah. uncertainty on a day-to-day -day basis as actors deal with. And, and, and I know you've talked mm -hmm. a little bit about that on what that uncertainty can do. Yeah. And really quick though, uh, just to like say one last thing about, and, and then, jumping into what you were asking is just, I think that, you know, one thing I really, why I think therapy, you know, interested me so much is I think I'd never really thought about why I loved acting so much. And I think that in anything we do, 
especially something like acting that a lot of us like sacrificed a lot to make happen. It's useful to know your why that way you can understand why maybe the temptation is to like have no personal life and just like only focus on acting, which again, short term can understand that the long term is problematic. And sometimes acting teachers like reinforce that of like, you gotta like, you know, live, eat, wit and breathe acting. And it's like, okay, I get it. But then you're going to have burnt out actors who just give up and, you know, leave the city altogether. So I think like just understanding why you do it and then that can help kind of like get the motivation to address like whatever the traumas are or other things that you want to work on. Because if you don't know why you've done acting, then I think it's hard to get motivated to come to therapy. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think that's a great advice. I think the why is super important because like you said, it's funny when you said, Oh, you got to, <laughs> and, and uh, crap. Yeah. There's so many people that I, that I know, like, Oh, geez. My dad used to tell me, I used to, Oh, you got to sleep with your tennis racket, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's one of those things that like really gets put on a pedestal. Uh, but it's a, it's an incredibly unhealthy way of of living, and honestly, I I don't even think it makes you better at your craft or your sport or whatever you're doing, because you just it's you're not sustainable. You might go briefly quicker because you're pushing so hard, but you're going through burnout, so you're probably not even going if if that's the point. If some people are trying to go faster, yes. you know what I mean. I, I I don't think I don't think it is because just all the burnouts. I remember when I used to have that a lot. It, it just you just I felt like it was actually like up and then hard crash up hard crash instead of just let's do it a little slower but a little bit more sustainable yeah and I think acting for me because I, I think it's easier to use my own personal examples because you know with confidentiality you don't want to like break anyone's confidentiality I think for me acting was sort of like a first therapy I just didn't know it because like emotions weren't really allowed my mom you know is from a different country my um, stepfather, you know, has some drinking issues, things like that. And so feelings and emotions weren't really allowed. So it's like, I think sometimes acting is like our first form of therapy, which is both okay. I think it's kind of okay, but I think it's important to graduate yourself to like actual therapy if, if you're at all able to, of course. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think, I think there's definitely truth to what you're yeah. saying with uh, like acting is a like helps a little bit in that sense it's maybe some kind of form of therapy like you said just because it like with emotions and everything like that I think there's something there and and I have heard some acting teachers the exercises that they give sometimes mirror some things that I've actually learned in therapy yeah Yeah. Yeah. so I I think there's definitely something there but yeah like you said like why not go deeper yeah you know what I mean why not go deeper and really get to the root of these totally and I think what's difficult is that and look, I deal with this as a therapist, but in a different way, which is like, if you have underlying things that you've struggled with and haven't dealt with, and then you go to your job as an actor, whether it's on audition or on set, it's almost like you take your um, emotions and you put it in like a cocktail shaker and you shake them all up. And then of course, you're gonna have problems with emotional regulation, right? So I think we have to have some compassion for like, hey, it may be actually extra important that you have some space to deal with this because it's not only what you might have been like dealt with dealing with in the past, it's then you shake it up in your in your daily work life in a way. Yeah, and, and I'd actually want to going into that, I'd like to follow up with a question there because that seems to lend itself to like um when they say uh what's the word? Like self-care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Self self-care is a very like 
popular term nowadays, almost like, but, you know, so many different direct definitions, especially on social media at this point, some of which I don't really agree with, but, you know, um, but can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and kind of what, I guess, good ways of self-care are and which ones are maybe not as good or at least unhealthy? Uh, well, again, I think only to make it the answer, the answer is more interesting before I go into the broader explanation. What I will say is like for myself, my self-care is always evolving and, you know, I'm 12 step involved. And I was talking to like, uh, my sponsor today and I was telling her, I'm trying to do a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice. I've done it a few days. I haven't done it every day. And she's like, well, hold on. Like you've done it several days. Let's give you some credit. And I think that is my initial thing with self-care is like, I think there's a pressure to like be doing it perfectly or find that, you know, miracle thing that just changes your life. And I think social media kind of like touts that a little, which, you know, whatever, but I think it's a little bit of like trial and error. And I think it depends on your personality type. Like my personality obviously is a little more like hyperactive and upbeat. So for me, I need like down-regulating self-care. That's actually kind of hard for me. Whereas yeah. if you kind of are more introverted, maybe your self-care looks like going out to a yoga class or actually just seeing friends. It could be that simple. And I think like, um, it's a little bit individualized for what works for everyone. But I also think like, how can you have fun with your self-care? I mean, it sounds like tennis for you is somewhat your self-care. And it sounds like you actually Oh, tease. Yeah, ten, tennis is, I, I tell my girlfriend all the time, like, tennis is like my second therapy, because I feel yeah. like without therapy, I mean, sorry, without tennis, I definitely start, like, I, I when I've had periods where I don't play tennis at all for two weeks, I can feel the difference, like mentally and physically, like I feel more tense in my body. I, I feel like more like less calm in my mind because tennis for me has a lot, a lot of emotions go yeah. there. And like you mentioned, everyone's different. My thing is I'm, I'm very introverted. So I'm very introverted. I have a hard time like showing my emotions and expressing my emotions. So for me, it's like almost, I guess, self-care would look more like finding avenues to intensify yes. that. And it's funny, you know like, I, mean? I wouldn't know you were introverted. Like, See, this is a good example. I think that people wouldn't perceive that about you. And yet that's how it feels for you. And I think that is the problem with like social media and how all these things are kind of explored sometimes is it feels like other people know how to do it and they're telling you which is really I think we're all works in progress and we all have like struggle points yeah and, and I like that advice that you give like like kind of figuring out what that looks like for you you know what yeah. I mean you know and obviously that doesn't mean like hey for me it, it looks like just munching on M&Ms for three hours straight and, and binging Netflix six hours I mean I'm sure there's a time <laughs> where that maybe is okay but if that if that's what you're doing consistently, maybe that's not the healthiest way of doing it. But you know, I, I think everyone can find things that work for them. It doesn't have to be what I'm doing or what you're doing. Yeah. It can be something completely different. I think it's figuring that out and taking the time for it, which I struggle with, and I'm sure actors and you struggle with as well, because it's always like there's always that little voice in the in the head, and I get this too, of like. Oh, but what could you be doing that's productive yes. right now? What could you be doing that's productive right mm -hmm. now? Definitely. You know, and it's like, well, it, what, what, life's not supposed to be just about being productive. Totally. And, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and that like leads me to say like one other thing I was going to mention is just I think part of why you go to therapy is to understand why you do the things you do. So then you can make more intentional choices about self-care, what to do for self-care. And I think that's the problem sometimes is like, 
uh, at least for me, sometimes I can be on autopilot, right? And so then I'm not really making intentional choices and therapy is a way to slow it down and understand why do I do the things I do so I can then make different choices. And this goes for like relationships too. That's a common theme in therapy is like, why are you in this relationship? And then if the answer isn't matching your values, maybe there's a chance to make more intentional choices around that, right? Yeah, and that's and that's what I really like about therapy myself is it's almost like a check engine light type situation where like I can go in for checkups because it is easy, like you said, to go into autopilot. Even now, like like I still find myself easily getting into autopilot situations. And I'm like, but why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 kind of the even even when I'm quote unquote feeling good, I still like going to therapy in the sense of like it's a nice check in yeah. for me just to kind of see where we're at and kind of someone else kind of kind of holding me accountable in a sense, but also just checking up on my mental health and having it, even just having a dedicated time that I have an hour set where I'm actually working on this, on this mental, like my mental health and actually paying attention to it. Just that helps me a lot. And just the focus, totally. you know, I, I think that's, what's really nice about it too, because I think sometimes there's a misconception. I think that, therapy is only if you're really fucked up you know what i mean and and and, and some, some people think that old school old school people yeah. think that you know what i mean i don't think the current generation thinks that as much no. but you know definitely if you go back to my parents and yes. that generation there's definitely still a little bit of that in there yeah. so i remember when i told them they were like oh what's wrong with you yeah i told my I parents like, recently <laughs> that or my mom and stepdad to go to couple therapy and they both stared at me and we're like huh i'm like you know i'm a therapist right so yeah it's definitely that's so funny we did we, we did couples therapy too and, and my mom's first reaction to that was uh was oh a little early for couples <laughs> therapy <don't you> think? <laughs> i was like nah it's not. Like, we're why, not we're not trying to get to get that that point <laughs> yeah 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 so so I, I think i think that's that that's good it's like it's not just for when you're at a certain point yeah. Like, obviously, yes, it helps a lot when you're at a crisis point, you know what yeah. I mean? But it doesn't have to be. You don't have to be at a crisis point for it to be beneficial. Totally. And I think you touched on something, just circling back something you said before about the pressure to be productive. I think, you know, just briefly touching on, I think like our U.S., you know, culture really values productivity and work. And it's been so ingrained in some of us in such a young age that I think just being is hard and then you go to like europe and they kind of giggle sometimes right at americans like of like their productivity thing and like and i again not that either is the right or wrong thing but i think like just understanding that this is something in our culture that's so like we're all like when we are on social media or when we're talking to people everyone says what do you do and it's just like as actors like that's sometimes a hard question to be like well what did i do today that will like be impressive or have I done enough? Because you don't always get the linear like paycheck or result. And so I think like all these things make being an actor like uniquely challenging. Yeah. And I, I think what you touched on is, is exactly right. I think I'm from Belgium originally. I wondered what they said. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I'm from Belgium originally. So it's exactly what you're saying does happen. And I, I, that's kind of nice when I go home to have that other perspective sometimes. Uh, because it is like that. When I go to Belgium, it's like be, it's a completely different world, like compared to an LA and probably New York, which are very success, achievement-driven cultures in general. Um, but when you go to Belgium, it's like 
people I know there aren't like that for the most yeah. part. Most of them, honestly, they're just doing their job. They, they, they like what they're doing, but they're more focused on the other stuff in their life with their family, with their friends, their hobbies. Yeah. And that's kind of what actually they end up talking about the most. And I noticed that always when I'm there, it's like I actually get asked the least what I do when I'm back home in Europe than when I'm in LA where it's really at the forefront of every conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, it's not, we're not trying to name it as good or bad, but again, at least we're trying to have some awareness because I think it puts a lot of pressure on people to keep doing and then can sometimes burn out. And one of the things like, I think that I just wanted to touch on is I think actually, you know, if you try to make your craft quote everything, it's a setup. Just like if you try to make your job as a manager, everything, or my job as a therapist, everything, even though I'm sure you like what you do, I like what I do. It just starts to feel like it's your identity. If that's your whole identity, then we have a setup for like a lot of emotional problems. If our jobs inevitably something doesn't work out or there's a lull or whatever. Yeah, and I think especially for actors, that's super. That's so relevant because, and 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 I can see why that would affect mentally so much. Because if your identity is, I am an actor, and that's like what you see yourself as as the totality of your identity, that's hard. That's very hard because what does that what does that mean about you then when you're not working? Yeah. And it's super difficult though. Let's have like a ton of compassion, which is like this is a job that you probably started yeah. as a child or teen or early twenties. So it may be all you know. So we're not like saying like as opposed to if you were I don't know, like an accountant, you probably didn't start, you didn't love, you know, doing that since you were 12. It's different, right? It can feel more differentiated. So I think it's just uniquely challenging for actors, for people like directors, even they probably were directing things since they were a teenager too. So, and sacrificed a lot to make it happen. So it's, it's a hard one to unpack, but I think one of the things I um, talk about with people is, just learning to detach and this is something that we talk about even with like problem relationships with family members is like how do you create just a little emotional space between what you do or a dysfunctional relationship dynamic and how do you just gently focus back on yourself and it's a hard question but I think having that practice whatever that is for you like that's why I'm doing you know some some meditation of just like having a moment where I'm not doing anything because that is a practice of being able to like zoom out for a second and see my life from a little bit more of a bird's eye view. Um, and it's a little bit different from, for everyone, but I think like if actually acting teachers could help young actors start that early, like how do you actually make sure this isn't your everything? How do you like learn to detach and how do you cultivate other interests or maybe other streams of income even like then that takes some pressure off. Um, you know, if you book something tomorrow or not, yeah, and, and and I like that. It would be nice, and I, I slowly I, I see it happening some places. But it would be cool if that's more emphasized, in the sense of like, okay, but like, what else do you have? Do you want to like? Do you like to do in your life other things? So that the focus isn't just only acting. And just because the focus is, and I think I just want to put this yeah. in here because I know sometimes people think this, but like, just because your focus isn't only acting doesn't mean that you're not as ambitious or that you're not trying as hard as someone else. You can try hard and it doesn't have to be all consuming. You know, you can still, you can still be going for it. It's not going to lessen. It probably maybe even makes it easier. Totally. totally. And I think like you have to do it yourself. Yeah. Cause for me, I have, 
you know, the tendency towards perfectionism. And I, I really try to go a thousand percent. And for me, it's like, I have to always be gently pulling myself back. Whereas maybe some other people, your goal is more like leaning in a little more, right? We're, we're not saying one size fits all, but I think like understanding your own patterns, like, which again, we do a lot in therapy, um, can inform like how you detach Cause obviously I'm sure you're a manager. You don't want your actor to like be gone for a year. Like that's not going to be like helpful for their career, but you may want them to like take some time off um, and go visit their family so that they can come back rejuvenated and like excited for what they do again. Yeah. I mean, I, I know personally, I would prefer that, that that happens and keep pushing through because honestly that that's more important anyway. And, and obviously as a manager, you deal with a lot of, different situations, different things happening in life. We, we lose people in our life. Those things are all, I think always more important than what's going on in your career. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so I think it is important to do that. And on the flip side, it's good for your career too, yeah. because realistically, if you're in a bad mental place and, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, is if you're in a really bad mental place, it becomes very hard for anything good to happen like career wise, because you're just, you're burnt out, you're stressed out and that'll probably show yeah. your performances. So, so even if you're just purely thinking of your career, it's like, okay, but even for that, it's probably better yeah. that you're in a good place. Yeah. It's funny, Greg, cause I, and, yeah. and, and, Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, and like you said, um, I, I don't want to say like, oh, this is the only way or whatever. There's different sure. ways. Every, everyone's different. Sure. And I, what I was going to say is it's funny because I mentioned to you yesterday that, you know, just for fun, I've been doing some stand-up comedy and it's interesting to have like a break from doing something creative and then to step back into it a little with having another, you know, income stream and being able to be like, oh, okay, there's a lot of lightness here. There's like a lot of, because I just sense what ends up happening is when something is our income stream, it just creates a unique pressure and that's okay. You know, that's fine. That's not bad. We want actors to make money and they deserve it. And we're not minimizing that at all, but it, yeah. it was, it's just interesting to observe like how your body feels when there's not that pressure of what am I going to get out of this versus like, okay, I'm just here. This is for free and for fun. And you know, all that. It's just an interesting like thing. Yeah. And, and I think that makes sense because even when you said that, I thought to myself right away, like, oh, your body must loosen up uh, when you, when you're feeling better in that way. And if your body's looser and you're looser, then your performance is maybe a little bit more spontaneous, comes across a little looser, a little less rigid. Yeah. You know, those are all positives yeah. performance wise. And I, and I know from what I read on your website too, is that you talk a little bit too about how therapy affects creativity in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of going back to like what we talked about before of the idea of like, if we can understand our patterns can like heal whatever the traumas that might've been like blocks for us before, then now we're creating from spaciousness. Now we're not creating like, because my identity is like, I'm the brooding person that smokes cigarettes and like is angry all the time. Now it's like, Oh, I'm going to do this scene where maybe I am angry or smoking, you know, fake cigarettes or whatever. But because this is like from a sense of spaciousness, now I might be using something like I might be using like a memory, but this isn't my current identity. And I think that's like problematic, which is I think like, sometimes we can get like, married to our own like darkness a little bit um or yeah, yeah, yeah. In that's, that, that's so true yeah. what do you what do you relate to with that Craig? 
that's so true because we, I, I, exactly pretty much the sentence that you said i've i've heard from different people it, it's like that they almost buy into or, or romanticize i guess this the brooding dark anti-hero and 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 he has all these issues but somehow it's romanticized and it's like yeah you can still pull from your memories like you said and pull yeah. from different experiences or whatever your method is in acting but you don't have to your personal life mirror your art yeah. you know it doesn't have to be that so i like i like that you said that because i that is something that comes up a lot yeah where that gets romanticized. Yeah, and as I get older, I think, like, it's also really good that, you know, at least for myself, I've been working on it, because it's like, I was telling my husband the other day, I'm like, nobody nobody wants, like, a curmudgeon, brooding, like, 45-year-old or 60-year-old, right? It doesn't look so, like, appealing yeah. anymore, right? And it's like, um, like, I'm 37, but it's like, I see, like, okay, the things that I have still to work on, I really want to work on, because I want to be, like, happy and, like, free as I get older, and like, it's a scary thought to be like, I'm going to be like, you know, in my fifties and sixties and be like, ah, like that girl that broke up with me when yeah. I was 16, like screw her, you know, like can't believe she did that to me. Right? And yeah. we see that as an actual like thing as we get older, that some people are really, that's the road they're going to go down. Yeah. And, and I think that happens like that happens quite a lot. And, and as they, as, as people get older, it starts kind of accumulating. And I've noticed this with people in the past that I've known and even back home and stuff is that you don't, they don't, sometimes you don't deal with anything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like I talk to them and they just feel very jaded about things. Like there's this jaded quality to them and this like negative, not like negative about this career yeah. or or what happened to them or or they'll talk about oh i had this opportunity three years ago and they screwed me over or whatever it is and it's just like yeah but you're still living yeah. there and you know you're still you're still living in that spot and it's like yeah, it's tough if you're there tough it's 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 tough career-wise tough personal wise yeah you know and I, and I think that's what i i also like with what therapy does in that sense it like addresses that and kind of gives you like you were saying it loosens you up spaciousness yeah. gives you the freedom to be more present and and again i don't want to speak for anyone else's experiences because every experience is different but I, so i'll speak of mine i guess and that's been my experience more because i i, I mean not that i'm like all of a sudden the most present human being ever i'm not I, I, my fiance can attest to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, like sometimes I'm not, I'm still not. It's like a constant work in progress yeah. because it's really easy for me to kind of go back to some old patterns. Totally. You know, so it's, so it's something that I constantly have to work on. Totally. And sometimes I'm better at it than other times. Yeah. And you know? actually, that brings up uh, something I wanted to mention, which is like, I think if you historically have struggled with anxiety or depression, it does make acting a little more challenging. Like I think as I understand myself better now, I see how, again, just to speak for myself, how my own childhood trauma led to more anxiety, which then led to me having problems with relaxation and being present as an actor. But I didn't understand it then. And so I think we have to have a lot of compassion for like, hey, if you have a friend that's like booking all this stuff or whatever, and maybe you're still a little bit like struggling with certain things, like that's okay. Everyone can have their own pace. And honestly, you know, if you've had trauma or anxiety or depression, that could make aspects of your creative life a little more challenging, but that doesn't mean you should give up also, right? Actually, that might mean like, you'll learn to be a bit more disciplined. Like, it's funny because as I've been doing this, like, stand-up thing, I got my spouse into it too. So 
another story, but I just noticed he didn't have any creative baggage. So he's just been like doing it and doing it. Whereas for me, I'm like, oh, this brings up that, that time at acting class. Or whatever. Yeah. But now that I've like shuffled through it, I'm like, oh, wow, I feel like so proud of myself. And it was okay that we were at our different like pacing. Yeah, and look, and I, I think sometimes performance-wise, like I think it, it can create a deeper performance when you have dealt with a lot yes. of those things because it can show up in a more nuanced sure. way in performances. Yeah. And, and and I've noticed that when I, because obviously I watch a lot of self-tapes just in terms of what gets submitted by actors and everything mm-hmm. and, and all types of things. And and the big thing I do notice is what you're saying is like what, what I, when I see a good performance, it's not that it's perfect. Actually, a lot of the great performances I wouldn't consider perfectly done. Like they'll even miss some, they'll miss some lines. They, they won't do things correct. And that's completely fine. But, but it feels like, A, it feels like they're super present. There, there's not like this, there's nothing going on of like an idea of, oh, I need to look like this or I wonder how I'm looking right now. And you can sometimes see that in people's performance when they're worried about how they're looking, if they're looking cool mm-hmm. enough, stuff like that. You yeah. know what I mean? But like when it's really good, it's just very present and it looks spontaneous. And honestly, it always looks like there's a part of that person in the performance. Yeah. Like I, I know when I watch a lot of like tapes that I think are really good, I'm like, oh, I can see like an, a little bit of them in there. Obviously not all of them, but just like a little yeah. bit of them. in Yeah, there. that's a good and, and I think in, in that way, therapy can help for sure. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I would I would imagine the more acceptance you have of all the different parts in you or the different aspects of yourself that that's also something you can bring to performances greg i think i lost you are you back yeah it just broke all up your, all your no parts just got integrated it's perfect <laughs> yeah perfect just a moment of silence <laughs> while that happened <laughs> yeah no i i think you're right and i think that um you know, act, uh, therapy doesn't have to be the only way you can find this for yourself. But I think as we, I almost describe it as like, imagine if, you know, you had a home and you had a pipe, like over time, your pipe will get clogged. It's kind of natural, right? And so you have to find some ways to unclog things because every 10 years you do have more baggage and you do have more trauma. And again, if we're trying to avoid being that like curmudgeon old person, that's like, what was me? then we have to unclog. And again, I think that's something that I've come to accept is even though I'm a therapist, doesn't mean like there won't be more for me to unclog. And that's annoying sometimes, but I can work yeah. towards accepting. And I think acceptance um, is the vision on in the horizon. It's not something we arrive at. It's more like what we're moving towards. And I think that takes some pressure off, like arriving at some perfect place with your mental health or even with your acting. We're just gently moving towards that, right? Yeah, and that, and that's a really good point because I feel like sometimes there is this like thing of like, okay, but when am I fixed? You know, like when when am I done? It's like, well, you're you're not never really done until well until the very end, I guess, but like in a dark way. But you know, <laughs> that there is no ending in that way because you just like you said, you constantly have things that come up and that you're working on and. And again, I also like, like you said, there's different ways of dealing yes. with it. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm not also don't want to sound like I'm saying, Hey, this type yeah, of therapy is exactly. the only way to do mm-hmm. it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, go no, ahead. You go, Greg. Go ahead. <laughs> 
Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, performance oh, yeah. psychology. I know we briefly mm -hmm. talked about it, but I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that and kind of like just kind of start almost kind of from a very basic standpoint. What, what does that even mean? Well, like, I, what does that mean? What does that look I like? I think like, again, I've sort of adapted, you know, my, my um, degree isn't in performance psychology specifically. However, I feel like using therapeutic principles and using, you know, what I've learned from performance psychology and then using some coaching principles really. Cause we know that like it all kind of fuses together. Cause one thing I think is interesting is like, just that's why I use the athlete analogy. Cause that one tends to work really well, which is, Hey, if you're watching a baseball game, you have your head coach in the dugout and you have a couple coaches actually on the mounds. Like that's crazy. When I went to a game and saw that I'm like, that's wild. They have so much support, yeah. but yet actors and people, uh, creatives, they usually have like, almost no support and it might be one person that's like their acting teacher that isn't mentally all well that well and so I think just understanding like hey it's okay to need support like frees up a lot of people to come to therapy or to get other supports yeah I'd like to really emphasize that because I, I think loneliness is actually one of the biggest things that you hear especially out here um, in terms of that the industry and and LA itself yeah. actually is considering it's such a big city, there's a lot of people that are actually very lonely, yep. you know, and, and I think, like you said, like just seeking out support, which whatever that looks like for you is, is essential, yep. you know, and, 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 and like, like back in time, we used to be in tribes and stuff, you know what I mean? So like, it's like, we used to have a whole village raising us and being around us and available. And now it's like, almost like, a lot of us, like, I think I read some crazy statistic that, what, what was it, the average person has, like, one and a half friends or something. So, basically, one or two yeah. friends. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. And especially if you're, you've been in LA, I think, like, 10 years or less. Like, I mean, it probably took me, I would say, like, 10 years to, like, get a solid support system. So, I think, like, it's the unique aspects, I think, of living in, like, maybe, like, an urban city, too. But just to, to go back to this, I think that... Um, so like the reason I bring this up is just making it okay to work on performance psychology and making it okay to need help. And I think one of the, some, again, I'm doing super simple concepts, but the two things that I notice like are most helpful is how do we redirect our focus? Because we do this, that a lot in athletics and I think it has a lot of value in acting, which is there's so many things we could focus on. Like the casting director didn't like get back to us or our manager, he didn't get back to us. Um, but what, we need to be focusing on is like, you know, that we maybe we did two self tapes this week, or, you know, we had a nice moment with like our dog or whatever it is, because if we don't master our emotional health, then like we can just get lost in the weeds basically. And I think that as creatives and actors, it's even more important because there isn't a lot of validation. So I think it's the ultimate mental focus challenge of like deciding what I'm going to focus on. And that might be in your morning routine that you kind of, um, do a gratitude practice and it might look like um, that you rehearse how you want the day to go or how you'd like to feel at least um, because otherwise and I did that right before you know we had this I'm like okay I'm a little nervous and like you know Greg and I had a couple conversations but we're not like lifelong friends but how do I want to feel how do I want this to go and what do I want to like take away from this that way I don't get lost if like before we started, the lighting looked weird. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know. So I think um, having a way to focus your thoughts 
and mental rehearsal to me are like one of the two biggest performance psychology things that um, are helpful. And one of the ways I do that is like, okay, if you have an audition, let's run the tape of it going really well. But now let's run the tape with it, something small going wrong. So how would you like to handle that something small going wrong? Okay, so now we have that one. Let's um, go to you know the next tier up. And I use some bilateral stimulation through EMDR therapy. It's a little more nuanced, but still, it's you can do a version of it yourself too. And I think it's super helpful because a lot of times we just go in to our creative life and we just like hope for the best or we start to feel hopeless, but like who's steering the ship? Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. A lot a lot of things came to mind when you were saying that. Um, I mean, one of the things that came to mind is, is what you were saying basically of like visualizing how it goes and then visualizing if something goes wrong and that type that, that made a lot of sense to me, especially and uh, because as a, as an athlete as well, like, I was, they were telling me to do that already when I was like 13, oh, 14 sure. with tennis, sure. you know, yeah. it was always like, oh, visualize the match, how it's going to go, visualize how you're going to play this point when it's, re when you're really nervous, you know what I mean? So that makes a lot of sense to me. And I actually, I actually like that. And I, I don't, I, it's of course, easier said than done, yeah. but it's like, it's, I think it is important when you can yes. do it. And again, having compassion, like you said, it's like, Hey, if you don't do it every day, you're not a failure. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. It's like if you do when when you do it you congratulate you congratulate yourself in that way already and then you know you build habits yeah and you've heard and, and that's i yeah. think that's you've the, heard that thing greg right like the mind is like a puppy you know the puppy's gonna like go yeah, everywhere yeah. or like the monkey mind right that's another way to say it where our mind's gonna jump around so it's like having some sort of practice of focusing our mind and then if if you're in some sort of industry where you have to be relaxed and present which is many industries then having some sort of way where you can focus what you want to get out of something and then also some way to relax your body. But, you know, I think like, for example, with this, it's like one of the things I wanted to feel was connected and like excited, not necessarily like that we had to talk about the deepest therapeutic conversation. And so that's a goal that I can easily meet. Like we're already doing it now. But if my goal yeah. was like yeah. that, you know, you have, you were going to think I'm the best therapist in LA, then it's like, that's going to be a harder goal to meet. Yeah, because that's that's an outcome outcome thing that you you wouldn't have control over. You you can't control those things. I, I like that, especially feel like that's relevant to actors a lot. Especially the part where you said like what practices and kind of daily how you want the days to go and stuff. Because especially a lot of actors, your your schedule's all over the place. You know what I mean? Like it's so like every day can be a little different. All of a sudden, you're another country or state. Then you're back home all of a sudden for an extended time. And, and I've noticed the thing that most actors struggle the most with is not always obviously when they're working, because a lot of times, you know, then they're in, in their yeah. flow a lot of times. So everything's okay. Then like when people seem to really struggle is when they get back home and all of a sudden there is zero structure yeah. to their day, except for the structure that they give it themselves. And that's yeah. hard. So I, 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 I like what you're saying about that. Like almost kind of figuring out what does a daily practice or almost a schedule look like for totally. you and taking care of yourself totally. and even more more important for actors than maybe anyone because just because of how unstructured the schedules can become yeah and there's like you know one thing i often tell people um that's more of a it's like a free youtube video it's like priming like you may have seen it like tony robbins priming and whatever you think you know not not like saying you have to like tony robbins or anything but you know there's like a video where you do it every morning and it's like 
Um, you do a breathing exercise that sort of like activates your nervous system, then you do a gratitude practice, and then you visualize three outcomes. Um, there's a little more to it. And, you know, whether you like that or you don't like that, that's fine. Take it or leave it. But just more like yeah. there are some resources and you can do your variation of it to just structure your day. Cause if you don't have a lot of structure in your day, um, and I also think it applies like if you work remotely too, like right now I'm most mostly remote. And so it's like, I need something that anchors me in my day. And so I think like the morning routine or the evening routine that like the benefits are, but again, as I say, this is like, I'm not perfect at it. So I don't want to put any pressures. Like if you don't have a morning routine, then like you're, you're bad. Cause it could be really short too. Like there's that five minute gratitude journal thing. And, um, you can buy it on like Amazon and basically it's very simple. You write three things you're grateful yeah. for in the morning, um, like a mantra that you want to focus on. And then like, I think there's more. And then at night you do the same thing again. And it's like, sometimes I just revert to that. And that's even really effective too, especially if you're feeling frustrated or angry because you have to write something down. And sometimes I just write my dog, <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I feel like that does help. I, I mean, I mean, journaling helps a lot for me just in, in kind of, because sometimes my, my mind just feels very all over yeah. the place. You know what I mean? So I'm, it just helps me kind of get clarity of what I'm actually thinking. Because even that can be hard. For, for, I know it is for me. I'm sure it is for other people too. It's just like knowing what I'm feeling or knowing exactly what I'm kind of is on my mind. And starting to write forces you to have some clarity on it. But again, like you can have there's different ways. And like you said, can be different for everyone. And I think it's more about trying yes. different things too yes. and figuring out what it works for you. Because I, I know one thing that I don't love about social media, to be honest, but like, <laughs> like one of the things I don't love about social media is that there's a lot of like guru type stuff going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like this guru, like I have the answer, right. follow my path and you'll be good. You know, and, and of course, there's people are looking sometimes for that one solution, you know, that'll just magically change their life type of thing. And obviously, that, I don't think that exists. But like, I, I think it's you got to watch out that you're not like, okay, just because it works for that person doesn't mean it works for yeah. you. And it's like, it's, and it's cool, you can try all of this out. That's what's the cool thing It's like, you don't have to like, find success with the first no, routine or no. thing that you find. Maybe your, your simple routine is like, you listen to music for five oh. minutes in the morning. And that's your routine, whatever it yeah. is. That's fine. Yeah, and that's why people like therapists, I, I find, is because we don't push any – if you don't like something I suggest, I drop it. And, like, we're not going to, like, force that. And, unless it was something life-threatening, right? Like, hey, you're, you, know, you need yeah. to go to rehab or something, right? That could be a life-threatening situation. But other than that, it's like we don't force anything on people because – that doesn't give people the dignity of choice, right? It says that I know better than you. And ultimately, like how I view myself is I'm like a guide and you're the captain. And I want to like help guide you as the captain of kind of like your own life, not to be cheesy, but, and I think that's yeah. what people like about therapy is like actually some of what we study, especially with dealing with high achievers or perfectionists is like purposely taking ourselves off the pedestal a little purposefully not saying like I'm the one with all the answers because we know that sometimes perfectionistic people they're looking for the answer and actually what the work is is like how do you live in more of like the gray sometimes yeah yeah very hard <laughs> I, 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 I still struggle with that sometimes I, I can find myself looking for 
the answer, even in other areas of my life, like what's the fitness program yes. that's going to be perfect and just get me in perfect shape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in anything, you can do that for sure. So it's like constant reminders that, okay, okay, you don't, you don't have to do that. And da, da, da. But like I, what you just said actually kind of leads kind of perfectly into my last question. Mm -hmm. Um, because you kind of mentioned some things there that I think are important and aren't always a given. Um, because you said like, okay, a therapist, I, I see it as like a guide. I'm not basically telling you what to do. You know what I mean? And and I think that's already important because I think I've, I've had people that have had one or two people that have had like a bad experience with therapy and stuff like that. And just like any profession, there's good and there's bad and there's in between and, and, and that's any profession. That's just normal. And, and I guess what I want to ask is what's kind of, I guess maybe your philosophy on like, and you've kind of mentioned a little bit just there, but like, I'd love to hear kind of your philosophy. If, if you're talking to an actor or an actor is asking for advice, like, okay, but like, where do I start? What should I look for? What, you know, that type you mean of thing. Looking for a therapist. Is that what the question is? Looking for a therapist and, and, you know, like, obviously like there's different, everyone has different tastes and everything, but just in kind of just maybe some general good guidelines. Okay. Type yeah, I mean, thing. I think that um, it's a unique thing because, you know, just because your friend loves this person, you might not, and that's okay. Um, and I think that um, understanding that is important, but I do think that friends and family are a good resource. If, they, if someone had a really good experience in therapy, that's a nice starting point for you. Um, you can also like just look at psychology today or there's Zen care too. That's another nice platform where you have a lot of options, but there's ways to search and make it more specific. Um, you know, therapists aren't expert marketers. So that's like another thing, just because a therapist has like bad marketing, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not good. It's just, that's not something like, you know, like I'm guessing that's why you maybe chose me is because like I've put some time into my website, but a lot of therapists like haven't. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is understanding like, you know, what your budget is for therapy. And like, if, you know, unfortunately there are some things with the healthcare system right now where a lot of like the better therapists are like out of network and there are some in-network therapists and they are possible to find. But I also think like it depends on, you know, what your preference is. If you want someone really, really knowledgeable, really, really specialized, or, you know, maybe you're just going to talk about, you know, something that feels as if a generalist is okay. And if so, then fine, you know, but I think it's useful to know how it works because sometimes people call a network therapist and no one's available and they don't understand. And it's like, well, it's because usually those people are like seeing a ton of clients per day. And so you may want to try the out of network option, especially in somewhere like LA, it's a little bit different in other places. Um, I think the other thing uh, to think about is, you know, it's a little bit like dating. If you don't like the first person, you know, I, I was actually talking to someone yesterday who said like, I tried like three therapists and I didn't like hate any of them. They said, but the fourth was really like the right fit for me. Now that hasn't actually been my experience. However, I will say through, through time, there's different specialties I'm looking for. And, um, there's certain pet peeves like I have that maybe other people wouldn't have. One time I saw a therapist and they were kind of well-recommended and in like, I would say session like five, I came in and there's a lot of traffic and I was like, Oh, I'm tired. And they said, you're always tired. <laughs> and that to me was like, I, I, you know, I tried to like express like why I didn't like that. But after yeah. those sessions, like, I just don't think this person is the right fit for me. And I told, 
it to some people what had happened and they're like, yeah, I would feel the same way. And a couple other people was like, I wouldn't have cared about that. So it just really depends. Yeah. And I think, I think that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't love that. That I personally wouldn't. No, love I'm, sure. I'm sure. Most me, but anyway. okay. Um, but, but I, I think, I think that's really good advice. It's almost like a good analogy is the dating analogy of like, okay, you don't have to, if you have one bad, because more, a lot of therapists, if, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of therapists have like 10, 15 minute quick yeah, consultation for free mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and, and I'd say that's a really good idea. So it's just another reason to not rush yeah. it. And not be like, hey, let me just go with the first. Unless, of course, if you feel amazing with that first one, great, go yeah. for it, I guess. You know, yeah. all good. But I, I think it, it is like dating. I think you should check out a couple. I know I did that. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean I and, think, and, and I did a lot of research. Yeah, I think, though, that the one thing I tell people is, like, if you have, like, a uh, couple calls, pick one or two. And then you could maybe if you want to have two initials, you could. But even that, it's like it starts to get a little, like, um hard for I think you as the person entering therapy to invest in any one person so I usually ask people like after three sessions like pick because it's not useful to like start a few different relationships with therapists it's not because like I am invested in you me like winning but for your experience I think yes call a few people but I would say choose one to start and then if after a few because it takes time to evolve therapy and get to know and establish the relationship so after let's say four to eight sessions, you're still not feeling it. Okay. You could end and pick someone else, but also if you, yeah, that that's good advice. I, I feel like even three is a good number. Yeah. I remember, I, I feel like that's what I was actually recommended years ago to like maximum try out three little meetings yeah. and, and then make a decision. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. it's overwhelming. The other thing is that I think that, um, if you have something that isn't working for you, you can tell them therapy is an opportunity to practice communication. And that doesn't necessarily mean it will resolve perfectly. Like that example, I, I, I told you where I actually did express, Hey, I don't think I like that. Um, but it still didn't feel like it got resolved, but I think it is a good opportunity if you don't like the direction it's going in. The therapist wants you to have a good experience. So you can tell them if you don't like something. Yeah. And, 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 and like you said, not everyone's for everyone in that sense. You know what I mean? So like you said, even if you're three, four sessions in and you're feeling like, oh, this, it doesn't feel right, then that's okay. Then, then, then you don't have to keep doing it. Like you have no obligation to kind of stick with someone, you know, and, and, and it's important to really think that through obviously, because the danger sometimes is maybe, oh, maybe things are getting uncomfortable in terms of what you're talking about. And, and maybe you're getting uncomfortable because you're digging into areas you haven't dug into. So there's a danger in that, like, oh, maybe let's not use this as an escape type yeah, of thing. Yeah, usually if you're a good You know, so it's about Yeah, and I think usually if you're with a good therapist, they'll usually be able to read, like, some things up and, like, how are you feeling about this process? Or, like, is there – how are you feeling when you come to therapy? Are you excited? Are you not excited? Like, they should also to some extent be able to pick up, I think, if you're not feeling very invested. So I think, like – some people tell me like, oh, I was unhappy with therapy for months, and but my therapist never asked me. I'm like, well, that's odd a little bit, right? So, well, that, that's, that's really good advice. I, that's not something I, that happened to me actually in a good way, but like, that's something you don't hear a yeah. lot is like, okay, like that's something to pay attention to that you guys are talking about your own relationship in therapy. So I remember my therapist would ask me that a lot. Initially, I was like, 
why are you asking me so much time like <laughs> how we're doing you know what i mean and uh like and it's like but it actually in hindsight made sense because it made it very easy to t- like if something bothered me or if i was like oh, i don't like 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 what you're saying there or i felt like you drew a conclusion there and i don't agree with or whatever it is you know what i mean it allowed me to easily communicate with her at the time yeah. Cause it was very open where she was very open to like, you know, you can tell me if something of what I'm communicating doesn't make sense or you don't like or whatever. And and that's kind of great because I do feel like if that doesn't happen, it starts becoming very easy to like, kind of like not be fully transparent and honest to your therapist. Yeah. And I, th- I think know? it's like, it's partial therapy is partial. A big part is to, you know, solve maybe things that are stressors or heal childhood trauma. But another piece is really the therapeutic relationship, which is, you know, the therapeutic relationship is supposed to be a chance to practice communication and to practice trust and practice repairing. And there's a really good podcast um, on Chelsea Handler's podcast. Um, um, I think like life will be the death of me. And there's an episode called meet my psychiatrist where she interviews Dr. Dan Siegel, who, you know, is pretty famous and oh, her cool. therapist, yeah. I don't know currently, yeah. but they talk together about the therapeutic relationship and it's really interesting and i think it helps people better understand like how meaningful like the therapeutic relationship can be so if you haven't um checked out that one i i highly and it's kind of funny too so that's cool yeah yeah that, I, i'll put that in the show notes yeah. as well so they can check yeah. that out because i actually think that is that is a good idea to check out and then speaking of that as we're winding down is there anywhere that they can kind of check out your website yeah. and or social media or anything that you want to share? Yeah, well, um, Talk With On is my website. Current, you know, it, it really varies. Like currently I, you know, it's um, October and right now suddenly I got very full. So probably I'm guessing my next openings will be in 2023. And that can happen. I'm trying to take on some therapists like in a similar style to me that could, you know, be available. Um, but definitely check out my website. And if anyone reaches out, I always just tell them I'll put you, I'll give you some referrals and then I will feel free to, if you want, I'll definitely email you when I have the next opening. That said, as therapists, we don't really suggest if something is like kind of pressing that you just get started. So that's why usually therapists have a very limited to no waiting list because we don't want to keep anyone like holding for too long. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention is if budget is something you, you know, that is in the top of your mind, there's many options for affordable therapy. There's a place called the Center for Individual Counseling, Professional Counseling Center for Individual Center for, they renamed it Center for Professional Counseling in North Hollywood. It's where I completed my postgraduate hours, sliding scale. Um, they have many oh, places where you can find lower cost therapy it's just, you know, again, it might be a little more of a rigmarole. You may not get to pick your favorite person, but I think that a lot of times if you just need to like get started, that's okay. You may transition later on to someone else that you feel is more specialized. Um, and also the LGBT center in West Hollywood, I believe if you're a West Hollywood resident, you can get on a list for free therapy, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I didn't I'm not know sure that. all the That's limitations good. about that, but I've had some people tell me that good yeah. experiences there. And then lastly, um, you know, group therapy is an option, which there's like someone that wrote a book about this recently about their experience in group therapy. And like, it's usually at a lower cost and you get to have like kind of a community. And especially if you have like trauma or a certain 
certain theme, like um, it's a really helpful resource and it's at a different price point. So there's like many different options. There's a like grief counseling center. And again, I'll, I'll send you some of these so you can put in the show notes where, you know, if you've had a, a loss, it's like pay what you can. And it's like, you know, in a group setting. Oh, wow. That's re- that's really, that's really good. I didn't even, I didn't even know yeah. about that. That's actually super helpful because that is something that's obviously a reason that people sometimes have to not do therapy because it's like, yeah, it's, especially in America, healthcare is, is very expensive. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I think that is, that is good to know. And I'm going to put all yeah. those resources in the show notes because I think that just opens it up to more people. I also heard someone a friend of mine that did um it was through open path yeah. or something it was yeah. called yeah, yeah that that one's good i just Sorry. think it's it's you know some people might respond it's basically for therapists that are willing to give a sliding scale but i i also sense like sometimes it's better to go to these like um community centers because the price is more set whereas you might start with someone at a certain rate and then they may change their practice format and or i just think it's a more reliable when you have more therapists as options and you're on a budget the better one yeah. leaves or exits then you can go to someone else within that same place and if you have insurance what i would suggest if you need to go in your network that sometimes people call their insurance and they get the list and then no one calls them back what is probably easier so you have to do a network therapy that you look up the group practices that have your insurance because it's more likely that one of the many will be available as opposed to when you call one individual therapist, they may not call you back because a lot of therapists don't have a secretary or anything like that. So that's a good route to go and just keep your expectations like moderate to low. If you go that route, you kind of know you may be getting a newer person, but that's okay. And that can sometimes be great and it can sometimes be not the ideal, but at least you know that that's the, the process and you can always like, go to someone else in the future. That would be my kind of real deal suggestion there. No, that, that, that's actually super helpful because I'm, that, I think that is a big thing that comes up a lot, um, especially in the entertainment industry because of the uncertain income a lot of times. Um, so I, I think putting all those in the show notes will be really cool for people to check out. Because like even some of the ones you mentioned, I didn't know about it at yeah. all. So that's super helpful. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I have just have really one more fun type of question and kind of one that I kind of try to finish the show with type of thing. And if you don't have a favorite, yeah, is, this good. But, uh, just, uh, is this your James Lipton moment? Remember where he's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where I, where I put people on the yeah, spot. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I was, was going to say, I was going to say, um, very simple question actually, but what's, uh, what's kind of your, one of your favorite books or book that you highly recommend to people? And it can be anywhere, you know, um, just in general or like therapeutically oriented or does it matter? It can be both, you know, whichever, whichever you want. Well, um, one I tend to recommend a lot is stop walking on eggshells. A lot of times people come to therapy and are in a difficult relationship or have a difficult parent dynamic. And, um, again, this isn't for, it is not like easy reading, but I think if you're feeling like there's something off that book sometimes it's a good way to rule out if whoever your parent or or partner has a personality disorder, if they don't, you know, it could be sometimes I give books to people where I'm like, read this. If you relate to it, then we can like kind of try to cope differently. They may have a mental health issue or if you don't relate, then great. We can kind of move forward. Um, but I don't know book for fun. I just, 
I guess I love um, like the Ayn Rand books. I like her books a lot. Um, I I also cool, like cool. Um, I I love self help. I'm such a, well because I I'm passionate about self help. I don't want to be too nerdy. But maybe TV's better. Uh, like to ask me about Greg because I feel like my book response isn't that impressive. Okay. Well, I, I like the book. I like those book recommendations. I like to read about stuff like yeah. that too. I just I just ordered Gabor Mate's oh, nice. books. <laughs> which is basically just all about trauma so it's just not it's not super light reading so like it's it's interesting to read about but yeah i'd love to know also <laughs> kind of what are you watching now i i'm, I'm watching i'm watching a lot of house of dragons oh right you now. are so and what do you think yeah i love that i love it i think it's very good i think matt smith is amazing yeah. in it yeah. The guy that plays Damon is very Yeah, good. I'm embarrassed to say that after watching Game of Thrones, the House of Dragons, I'm just like, I don't know if I can I feel like we, uh, like it's a big emotional investment and some of like that initial uh, pilot or initial episode is very tr like graphic. And I, yeah, um, we won't get into it, but that was a very, very heavy, very heavy. Yeah, so a lot of times I choose lighter things. Like I like She-Hulk. I love it. Well, I've heard that's really, it's really good. It's, it, it's really popular. Really fun. Yeah. Um, and I love, you know, like, um, Never Have I Ever on that. You know, like, just lighthearted stuff. I'm trying yeah. to think. I saw um, Don't Worry Darling recently in the movies, and that was really – I liked it. I mean, I know the reviews were mixed, but I, I thought it was really cool. I still have to see that one. I did. I, I heard the mixed reviews, but I, I haven't seen it yet. I, I definitely want to see that one. But that's, that, that's, a, that's a good one, yeah. too. I I also have one of some of the lighter shows that I like to watch. Like I'm still I, I when I want to kind of just kind of zone out and just relax and not think too much. I I'm watching like Cobra Kai now. Oh, I love Which is just like very nostalgic. The like, humor is so tongue in cheek. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah it's really funny. It just brings me back to like childhood. Totally. <laughs> um, but again, thanks so yeah. much for coming on. Um, we're gonna share all your links and everything in the show notes and uh where they can reach out or whatever and uh yeah it was great having yeah, you on it was nice to chat Greg. thanks for bringing me on thanks for listening to today's episode please subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on new episodes every week check out our show notes for our contact info and social media and hit us up with any questions you may have 